I'm Jenny Carlson. I'm Barry Trammell. Welcome to the Jenny and Barry Show. The Sooners are back in the business of double-digit wins. Barry, they got 10 with a big win against TCU. But even though the offense was great, the defense was an abomination, as Brent Venables called it after the game. We'll talk about all that, plus Jeff Lebby heading to Mississippi State and what comes next for OU. Hint, one of those things is not a trip to the Big 12 title game. But first, we want to say thanks to these sponsors for supporting the Jenny and Barry Show. The Oklahoma Ford Dealers Association, MidFirst Bank, Next Gen Roofing, Two Fellows Movers, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, 988, Oklahoma's Mental Health Lifeline. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. And hey, let's face it, a box of pizza and a case of beer just don't work like they used to. Nobody wants to help you move. We know two fellows that love moving. At Two Fellows Moving Company, we offer free, no strings quotes for your move. And with more than 20 years' experience, we've pretty much moved it all. Our services don't end up moving either. Need to do some remodeling or spring cleaning? We have you covered with dumpster rentals and junk haul services. Remember, quotes are free and there are no strings attached. If you're moving in Oklahoma, make sure to call the fellas. Visit twofellas.com for your free quote today. All right, Barrow, we got to start with the big news of the weekend, not the Sooners' victory, but Jeff Lebby heading to Mississippi State. The Sooners are now in the business of finding a new offensive coordinator. But first, let's talk about this move. It would have been talked about, rumored for a long time. Any surprise that Jeff Lebby is now the head coach at Mississippi State? I'm actually a little surprised. I don't guess I realized the extent to the, that Lebby had in terms of, of uh, uh, national or Southeastern Conference status with, uh, with his job as the OU offensive coordinator. I thought he was doing a good job. I don't necessarily think he has been doing a great job, certainly uh, not the Lincoln-Riley level of offense that we've, we had come to expect in Norman. Uh, but uh, now he's the, the head coach at Mississippi State, clearly the, the Zach Selman tie. Uh, facilitated this. Zach, of course, a longtime Sooner administrator, became the head, the athletic director at, at Mississippi State a few months ago. So I think it's uh, interesting. I think it's a, uh, a excellent move for Levy. SEC jobs are hard to get. He's now got one. It's not one of the better jobs in the SEC, but uh, clearly he can make uh, something out of it. So I'm a little surprised, though. I I thought they might go for a, a bigger name, uh, a more um, you know traditional type hire. But uh, but some of your best coaches come f- straight from the assistant coaches rank. So good luck to Jeff. But it's a tough job now. Vent- Brent Venables has uh, some some decisions to make. Yeah, you know it's a, it is an interesting move, and I, I do think Lebby's ability to recruit. Um, he's obviously recruited great quarterbacks. Dylan Gabriel came uh, after having been with Lebby at UCF, but then Jackson Arnold and and uh, having Kevin Sperry now uh, on the commit list. You know, getting good quarterbacks. Jeff Lebby seems to be able to draw those guys, and I'm sure that's something that's attractive to Mississippi State. You know, they are obviously uh, you know in the same state as. Lane Kiffin will miss that uh, offense and what they're uh, doing. Maybe uh, I think last year was was better for them, but still, you know, I think they're trying to maybe match a little bit there. Um, didn't get the splash. I don't know if anybody's the splash of Lane Kiffin, quite honestly. But I, I'm sure the hope is, you know, you don't have to win the press conference. You don't have to win the fans over on day one. But if they can start scoring lots of points, winning lots of games in the SEC, 
I think that turns the corner for Mississippi State. But I do think it's interesting, Barry, because, you know, obviously Jeff Lebby's uh, family connections to Art Bryles and the Baylor scandal, it's not – his his relationship as a family is not the issue, but he was one of Bryles' most vocal supporters after the scandal broke, um, the sexual assault scandal. So some baggage that he has taken, he brought it to Oklahoma – uh, then obviously his uh, father-in-law spotted on the field after a game this year. That became a, a bit of a firestorm. So I, you know, he's taken that with him to Mississippi State pretty clearly. Uh, OU, when they hired him, said they vetted him, felt good about the hire. I don't know if they necessarily felt as good at the end of Jeff Levy's time at OU. I think that they're probably ready to not have a bit of a cloud in that regard hanging over them as it relates to Lebby and his his past, that baggage. Now the question is, who do they go get as the next offensive coordinator? Do they even have to leave the current building, the offices that they have now to go find that person? Uh, Barry, I've seen a lot of guys that are right now in OU football headquarters, whether it's Seth Luttrell, um, you know, on down the list of guys, also some of the full offensive assistants being named. I don't know if I have a top candidate at this point, considering the talent that they have. This strikes me as a go find somebody who's going to throw it around a bunch. But do you have a name that you like for offensive coordinator for the Sooners? I don't necessarily have a name outside the building. Uh, what's interesting to me is is hiring coordinators is different than it used to be. Um, used to, you just go get the best man for the job. You didn't have to worry too much about the personalities or the individual stories of your current quarterbacks or potential quarterbacks. But now you do. These guys have the these guys have the uh, ability, the freedom to uh, transfer. So um, Brent Venables has to worry about. Uh, a Jackson Arnold or a Michael Hawkins, the incoming recruit from uh, the current class of high school kids, uh, even Kevin Sperry, the the junior at Carl Albert. You got to worry about those things. Now, Jeff Lebby went to Mississippi State. He didn't go to Alabama. You know, he, he didn't go to uh, to Georgia. He didn't go to Ohio State. So, you know, if somebody wants to, you know, to go to a different kind of of uh, college football level, then that's that would be an interesting decision. So I'm not sure that it's automatic that uh, somebody loyal to Levy would want to go with him to Starkville, but that is something that that uh, Brent Venables has to worry about. And if you can come, if you can stay within the staff, if you got good camaraderie, camaraderie, good relationships between those quarterbacks, and he's got two guys who've been working as analysts uh, for Brent and those guys are former head coaches with Oklahoma ties, with offensive pedigrees, and that's Seth Luttrell and Matt Wells. Now, Matt clearly wants to get back into the head coaching uh, race. He's been at Utah State and Texas Tech, was doing a pretty good job at Tech, got pushed out for sort of a financial, political reasons um, in midseason of uh, what year would it have been, 2021. 20, uh, yep. Um, Seth Luttrell, of course, was at North Texas, fullback on the OU national championship team, uh, solid career as an offensive coordinator. So I think those are the most likely favorites, particularly Luttrell, because I think Matt is is uh, a serious contender for head coaching jobs right now. But I think that's most likely. But Brent might want to go out of the box. I don't know. 
He's he's not uh, he's not a guy you can read real easy. But th- those are the things you got to worry about. Can you, yeah. you know, you got you got a, two quarterbacks particularly. Dylan Gabriel. Do you want G- Gabriel back? Well, you're a fool if you don't. Uh, so does does uh, this coordinator hire affect that decision by Gabriel, or uh, does it affect Jackson Arnold, who's clearly an elite prospect? So lots of balls in the air getting juggled here by Brent Venables when it comes to to this uh, replacement. I do want to say one thing about, you know, you talked about the Art Bryles situation. I'm, I don't know about you, Jacko. I'm a little surprised that the, the Baylor scandal and the Baylor baggage that you referenced, I'm a little surprised that, that Levy was able to overcome it this quickly, not just get, getting to a place like Oklahoma. He's an alum here. People know him. That helped facilitate it. But to, to get a head coaching job this uh, this quickly after the Baylor scandal, I mean, it's been seven years, but still, yeah. uh, for a young guy, uh, I, th- I thought that was interesting. I thought that might hang over his head a little bit more. Um, and we talked about the Art Briles sighting on the, on the field at, after the SMU game. I think yeah. uh, that was a firestorm. Uh, there wasn't a lot, you know, Jeff originally – was pretty uh, he was pretty outspoken in defense of his father-in-law just being there saying now, this is the grandfather of my kids he's just standing on the field and the sooner brass didn't really support him no one really came to his defense there were Joe Castiglione issued a statement saying uh, we were unaware of this it's not really acceptable it was outside the parameters that, that we discussed uh, I don't know that Jeff felt real supported there uh, so I, I don't think he was looking to leave. But I do think this was an opportunity he wasn't going to turn down. Yep. So now Venables is in the market, and he's got some – it's a good job. Oklahoma offensive coordinator will take you places. It yep. will put you in prime positions. Everyone, Lincoln Riley, Barry Switzer, Mac Brown, lots of people have had that job and gone on to do big-time things in college football. You know, and I, yeah, I, I wonder uh, what they will do. You know, I, I think it would probably be easy if you've got the right fit internally, you know, if Seth Luttrell, if Matt Wells, uh, Emmett Jones, the uh, wide receivers coach who's so widely lauded for his ability to recruit, you know, if somebody like that you felt like could could uh, take over that role, both what it requires, you know, uh, play calling and all of that, plus all the other stuff, you know, I think you probably do pull the trigger, but you got to think the number of options that Brent Venables is going to have. I mean, we saw, I don't think this will happen, but it's interesting. Nonetheless, Dana Holgerson gets fired at Houston. He's now going to be looking for a, you know, just like Matt Wells, a head coaching job, but Maybe that's not going to be so easy to find right away because of the struggles that he had at Houston. Maybe this is an opportunity to, you know, revitalize his stock. If he comes to Oklahoma, takes over an offense with, uh, you know, whether it's Dylan Gabriel or Jackson Arnold, uh, a, a great group of wide receivers, you know, they've got a chance to really be explosive even in year one in the SEC. So could this be a rehab opportunity for someone like Dana Holgerson? I don't know, but I got to think the number of options that Brent Venables has at his disposal is going to be high. I mean, to me, that was one of the things that I was uh, you know, wondering about when he decided initially to hire Levy. I came out at the time and said, I think this is not a great decision because of that Baylor baggage, because Oklahoma 
had so many options. You knew they had a lot of options to, to, to pull from when it came to that offensive coordinator spot, even though they had lost, uh, you know, whether it was Caleb Williams or Mario Williams or whoever you want to say, you know, left in the portal after Lincoln Riley left. They still had talent, and you knew they were going to be able to get more talent. So I was a little surprised at the time that they went with Lebby because of the options that you knew Brent Venables had. So now I have to think with better offensive players in place that you're going to have some really interesting names call on Brent Venables and say, hey, I'm interested in this. Maybe some guys that you wouldn't expect would be looking to move might even say, hey, I would be interested in coordinating that offense. So I, I think it, these next few days, I don't think he's going to hurry. Do you, Barry? I mean, they're not in the Big 12 title game. They've got some time. They could have an interim offensive coordinator even for uh, the bowl. Now, I do think with the early signing day, they'll probably try to make a move sooner than later. But the timeline, I don't think, needs to be the next day or two. No, here, here's the only variable on that, and that's the transfer portal. Um, I don't see where the Sooners will be big players in the portal unless Brent feels there's going to be some upheaval yeah. with potentially Gabriel saying, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, move on, uh, go to the pros, whatever, or, and, or he feels Jackson Arnold might you know, get shaky feet and say, hey, maybe I need to stick with Jeff Lebby. I don't know any of that, but if you are thinking that the portal might be a place where you have to go shopping, then I do think it's imperative to move quickly because what's what you see now is coordinators bringing quarterbacks with them. I think that's one of the selling points for Jeff Lebby two years ago was Lebby could pretty truthfully say, hey, I, I think I can bring Dylan Gabriel with me if this Caleb Williams character leaves. And that was a great selling point. It proved to be uh, accurate. And Gabriel was a, an excellent quarterback for the Sooners for two years. So that's the only thing that should condense, could condense this quickly is if Brent thinks the portal will be a place he needs to hit for quarterbacks. Yeah, and we'll talk more about Dylan Gabriel in a second. But let's let's talk about the, the Big 12 title game. I mentioned it a second ago, Sooners not headed to the Big 12 title game. Uh, they were obviously in the running until the end. Oklahoma State had to make a miraculous comeback on Saturday afternoon to get themselves in the Big 12 title game and keep OU out. Is there is there disappointment over OU not making the Big 12 title game, Barry? I mean, obviously that's a place that they were a regular uh, appearance, made a regular appearance there for a very long time. Now they haven't made it in their last three years in the Big 12. Disappointment? No disappointment. Oh, I think it's a big disappointment. Um, there, there are advantages, uh, sort of social type advantages to not being there. You know, they don't risk losing to Texas. Got the big win over Texas in October. Um, you know, if you, if you go down there to Arlington and lose to Texas, you know, that mitigate, mit, mitigates that a little bit. But the truth is you want to be there. You want to take uh, a shot at the Longhorns. You want to knock Texas out of the Big 12 title. You want to knock Texas out of the college football playoff. You want to get to a New Year's Bowl, a New Year's Six Bowl yourself. Um, you want to uh, you want to be on the national stage. So yeah, Sooners were oh so close. Not just Saturday watching uh, the OSU drama unfold in Stillwater, but you look at the two losses, both in the last minute, both on the road, both could have gone either way. The Sooners were oh so close to a fantastic season. And winning a Big 12 title would have sort of uh, brought a lot of that prestige back 
now this is not going to be a fantastic season. A good season, very good, but not fantastic. You go 11-2, and two, win the Alamo Bowl or whatever it might be. That, you know, that would be a really good season, a nice stepping stone, but it wouldn't be like beating a Texas in Arlington and then going on to the Fiesta or the Cotton Bowl, beating Alabama or playing Alabama or playing Oregon, Washington, whoever you might meet. Um, so it's a little, it's a little bit of a bummer, a little bit of a, uh, oh, we were so close to getting back. So, uh, yeah, one more reason to be upset with the Cowboys, uh, for staging that, <laughs> that rally in Stillwater. Yeah. But the truth is, is the Sooners have nobody to blame but themselves because of those two losses, Barry, they had leads late at Kansas at Oklahoma state had chances to win both of those games. You could argue should have won both of those games, um, but did not. And that, as Brent Venables referenced on Friday after uh, Oklahoma's win against TCU, they really just had to take whatever happened to them. If they were somehow able to get in, if the tiebreakers fell their way, they'd take it. But, you know, having had those two losses, they sort of knew that their their uh, the, the end was not uh, their deciding. They were going to have to wait and let the chips fall wherever they were. Now it would have been uh, high drama to see what the Big Twelve would have done with Texas and OU in that Big Twelve title game as their final Big Twelve game against each other on the way out the door. What does Brett Yormark do? He may still have to hand that Big 12 title trophy to Texas, which I'm sure does not make him any too happy, but he at least knows that both teams going there are not the two teams departing the conference uh, after this season. So at least he's got that going for him. But that would have been, you know, in addition to, to OU having a chance to win twice against Texas in the same year, obviously that would have been a huge deal. Win that Big 12 championship on the way out the door and then have a chance to do it uh, with the Big 12 gritting its teeth the whole way. Uh, you know, that would have all been great for, for OU hearts, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, they will not be there and will not have a chance to, you know, affect bowl selections in any way, which now I, I think, Barry, the bowl that seems most likely for the Sooners is the Alamo. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a Pac-12 matchup uh, that it will happen in San Antonio. It seems like that's the one that's most likely. New Year's Six, not out of the question, but some things would have to fall their way. What seems most likely to you when you think about bowl destinations? Yeah, it's San Antonio. Uh, a series of unlikely events would have to occur to get OU to uh, a New Year's Six. Uh, uh, some help in the voting room, perhaps a, uh, an OSU victory in Arlington. Uh, a Georgia blowout in the SEC title game, those kinds of things. Um, any of them could happen. Uh, all of them not likely to happen together. So I think it probably is going to be San Antonio um, for for the big uh, for the for the Sooners potentially against Arizona, maybe Air, Air Oregon State, but I think most likely Arizona. So uh, an outgoing Big Twelve team against an incoming Big Twelve team. Uh, Sooners hadn't played Arizona in forever. Uh, I think maybe 1998, 1988, maybe, or 89, 89, down in Tucson, I think was last time. So, um, yeah, that, it, it's, it's a fun place to go. It's a, uh, it's a quality bowl. It's just not New Year's Six. So, yeah. uh, and, so it's a little bit of a bummer. And I think it's a matchup that is, I, I agree. It's, I mean, Arizona seems like a, a, a likelihood, 
Um, and I think the soon, I think sooner fans in the state of Texas, a chance to go to a bowl game. That's close. I think you will see a decent amount of sooner fans, but this game is definitely not going to have the juice that, you know, some other bowl matchups could have had. Um, obviously that PAC 12 alignment, you know, would have been high fun had it been USC, but that's not happening either. So, you know, it just, it, it feels like a bit of a, a bit of a, you know, sort of slide into, you know, just it's okay. I mean, I think the 10 wins, 10 win season, big step, big, big step in the right direction for Oklahoma. Obviously, if they could win the bowl, finish 11 and two heading into the SEC, you like that momentum that it carries with it. But as far as, you know, just a lot of juice as it relates to the the bowl matchup, uh, I I just don't, I don't think it's going to be great. Now, something that could change that is, are we seeing the last game of Dylan Gabriel or does he announce something and say he's coming back next season? Barry, this became a hot topic after that TCU game. Jeff Lebby saying Gabriel does have another year. He could come back. And it sounds like that's a conversation that the Sooner coaches are going to have. It, he could come back. Is he really, is there really a possibility he comes back next season? I actually am more confident that he will than ever before. Uh, mainly from that post game uh, the other day. And uh, you wrote about Dylan and this possibility and just some of his comments and some of uh, Jeff Lebby's and Brent Venables. I just, it makes more sense to me to come back uh, in this age than, than it would have. Dylan Gabriel is not an elite NFL prospect. He's five foot nine. He does not have a strong arm. He's a mobile guy, but he's not a great runner. So, I don't know that he's got a bright future in the NFL and he's going to get the chance to play college football one more time. And he gets, could do it at a place like Oklahoma and he can do it in an era when he can make a lot of money. I mean, if Dylan Gabriel would announce he could come back, he's coming back tomorrow. Uh, he could, he, he'd get a lot of NIL love. And I think, uh, you know, he would come back as one of the premier quarterbacks in college football. You'd have a shot at the Eisman Trophy. You know, a lot of things have to break for you. But, you know, you, if you're not going to be an NFL star, being an, a Heisman Trophy winner is a pretty good way to to, to live out your post-football life. Uh, go look at all those Heisman commercials we're seeing every year with a lot of familiar faces. So I think there's a chance Dylan Gabriel does come back. So yeah. uh, I don't know what that means for Jackson Arnold. I don't even know if Dylan Gabriel will play in the, uh, in the bowl game. Um, you know, if he decides to leave, he might say, you know, I'm just going to, that's just what people do nowadays. So totally mysterious future for, for Dylan Gabriel, as far as what he's going to do. But I think that coming back is a good option for him. And I, so I think he will, he will strongly consider it. And I think we'll know fairly soon. Yeah. I, it's way more of a possibility in my mind too, just because, you know, I, you you can look around the the NFL and see guys starting games, playing games that have not been nearly as well respected as college quarterbacks as Dylan Gabriel is. But all that said, he does not strike me as an early round pick, maybe not a draft pick at all. And so you're uh, the 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 for sure nature of anything in the NFL is is slim. But when you're down in the lower rounds or undrafted, then it becomes 
you know, much more of a crapshoot. Whereas if he does come back, like you said, Barry, the, the legacy, the prestige, and potentially now the money that comes with NIL, pretty clearly that can be a game changer for this guy, for his family, for long term. So I think he's going to seriously think about it. I think that the Oklahoma coaches have long given the impression this is it. I mean, Brent Venables has said that a couple times, that this is the last season for Dylan Gabriel. Obviously, he, he seemed to change, soften that tune a little bit after the game on Saturday. But as much as anything, that has to be about managing quarterbacks. With the transfer portal so wide open, you can lose guys and lose a bunch of them all at once. And so being able to sort of dance the dance, play the game, however you want to say it, I think Oklahoma's coaches have to do that. I think that's what they're doing as it relates to Gabriel, Arnold, on down the list of guys that are playing quarterback. You know, we saw last year how quickly you can thin at that position and be in big trouble uh, if you lose your starter. So Oklahoma clearly wants to avoid another scenario like that at all costs and keep these guys around. So if Gabriel does come back, we saw Arnold, you know, put on the shelf to try to preserve that red shirt. Uh, but you know, maybe next year if they're both on campus, maybe we see more of a um, not two quarterback system, but maybe we see more of that Arnold specialty package that we saw early in the season. Maybe that becomes more of a regular thing to keep him on the field some. I don't know. I don't know what it looks like, but it's interesting. And I tend to think if if I'm Dylan Gabriel, I'm coming back, even if that does throw a wrench into things for Oklahoma, it surely does to some degree because you don't have that natural progression of quarterbacks, uh, you know, class to class, that sort of thing. But I think for him, it makes a lot of sense to come back, and I surely think he's going to give that a good hard look, um, you know, moving forward. Um, you know, because let's talk about that TCU game for a second because, Barry, that was as we watched him play, you know, just the the yards – the touchdowns, the passes. I mean, it's just a, a further confirmation of how good uh, Dylan Gabriel is. But we also got a little bit of confirmation that the defense isn't exactly where they would like to be. Was that a big setback for the OU defense, what happened against TCU on Friday? I think it was. Um, it doesn't have to be cataclysmic, but it was a setback because TCU's offense is middle of the road in the Big 12. And they got, uh, and the Sooner defense got lit up after playing pretty well all year. So a uh, little bit concerning. It was a screwball game. It got a lot of possessions, a lot of stuff going on. Um, so I, you know, I don't know if if we have to uh, stamp the Sooners as uh, on red alert. But uh, you'd like to see them play better than that. You'd like to see them put the kibosh on the Horn Frogs a little better than that. Uh, that that third quarter. Uh, was uh, particularly, I think, uh, disturbing. Uh, TCU got a ton of possessions in the first half, and I think where they score 17 points, my memory's fading. But I think it was 17. So it wasn't terrible in the first half. And then that second, that third quarter, bang, 3-3-3, three, 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 uh, three straight touchdown drives, mm -hmm. no stops. Uh, game just got spiraling out of control offensively. So, uh, But we've known all year that Brent Venables is putting together a good defense but he still has some limitations and TCU exposed those. So uh, good learning, good, good lesson for the Sooners that, Hey, still, still need some things shored up. You know, you look at uh, the OU front is still not what you'd hope it would be. 
Uh, we saw Brigham Young really run on the Oklahoma uh, a week ago Saturday. We saw BYU not run at all on Oklahoma State uh, the next Saturday. So uh, things that Brent Venables needs to shore up with that OU defense. Uh, but Sooner offense bailed them out 69-45. Um, you can go to a lot of football games and not see 69-45. First 69-45 game in OU history, maybe in college football history. I hadn't looked it up, but OU offense was just great. You mentioned, you know, Dylan Gabriel throw, throw, could throw a wrench into OU's uh, plans for next season. You could also throw a wrench into anybody trying to planning to beat OU next season because uh, <laughs> he's a really good quarterback. The offense was humming. So, yeah, that was, was a little bit of a, uh, a recent throwback game yeah. with uh, so much offense. Yeah, it felt like a Big 12 game of old, and considering it was OU's last Big 12 game mm -hmm. ever, unless, you know, something crazy happens. Conference realignment has taught us crazy things do happen, but in their last uh, Big 12 game to sort of have a game that reminded us of, you know, Big 12 of the last, uh, I don't know, decade or so, but not more recently. I thought that was kind of interesting. But, you know, the defense, I think they, they threw in some guys that were second team guys there in the second half to see how things went. Not great. I think that sort of speaks to a need to continue to develop, uh, you know, the younger talent, probably get back in the portal because we saw a bunch of guys defensively have their senior day who were transfers, one year transfer guys that came in, whether you're talking about Dejon Terry, uh, Rondell Bothroyd. Guys like that on the defensive side of the ball, Reggie Pearson, guys that aren't going to be around another season. So Brent Venables likely to have to get back in the portal to get some more veteran-type guys defensively to come in as uh, OU now heads to the SEC. But, Barry, I mean, even with that defensive struggle against TCU, Sooners finished 10-2. and I think if you'd have said, even with an easy schedule, we knew this was an easier schedule for Oklahoma. Maybe it's easiest ever this season. Even with the easy schedule, not knowing what was going to happen, what this team was going to look like once the season started, how much better could the defense be? How much better could Dylan Gabriel get? We didn't know those things when the season started. I think most people would have said a 10-win season is a pretty darn good year. So, And, it, and it's a, a step in the right direction, good momentum headed to the SEC. I think this was a successful season, even with the disappointment of two last-second losses, uh, no Big 12 title game. I felt like this was a good positive step for Oklahoma. Yeah, I would label this season successful, even though it was disappointing not making it to Arlington. Um, but before the year, we talked about that schedule. We said this team needs to win 10 games. Well, this team did win 10 games. So, you know, uh, sort of hit the, hit the target. It's sort of like going and playing an easy golf course and, you know, good golfer, certainly not me, but good golfer <laughs> ought to break par at Westwood. Well, if you go break par at Westwood, you, hey, you did it. So it's a good day. They did it. Sooners yeah. won 10 games. Now, yeah. um, going forward, you know, the the, uh, the goals will change. The, the targets will change. But coming off a six and seven season with uh, all those uh, close losses, they, the Sooners needed to take this step. Build confidence, stabilization, all those things for the SEC. I think they did it. The defense made strides. Uh, the offense made strides. They're more SEC ready than they were a year ago. You know, I would say they are SEC ready, probably not Georgia ready, but SEC ready. So 
uh, I, I I have to chalk chalk this one up to hey check mark mission accomplished. Yeah, I would agree. And a lot of not only the 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 big mark that win loss record, but you're also looking at you know how are they playing? And I think on the defensive side of the ball, while not perfect. We've seen them be more physical. We've seen them be more aggressive. And I think as they head to the SEC, that's the type of football you want to see a team playing, to be uh, more in that, in that tenor of things on defense than what we've seen in Oklahoma, from Oklahoma in the last few years. And then some of those close games they lost a year ago, they won some of those games. Now, they didn't win all of them. Obviously, could have had they not uh, sort of fallen apart late against Kansas and Oklahoma. But still, to have some close games that they came out victorious – I think that's a good sign on the the mental, the you know, the physical. It, there's a lot of different things you can say. We're a positive for Oklahoma with 10 wins, even though they're not going to play for a Big 12 title. They got to wait on Sunday and see what is next as bowl selections come out on Sunday. That's all the time we've got this week. And remember, OU will learn its bowl destination sometime on Sunday. Barry and I and our sellout crowd team will be following the proceedings. Plus, we'll continue to have all sorts of OU content this week at selloutcrowd.com. If this happens to be your first time hearing or watching us, be sure to subscribe to our show on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.